All right, with Brian Crew, Cabaseo is the short film, winner of Best Cinematography at the Dance Film Festival. Uh, the film about the tango with the, with the great beginning, middle, and end uh, story to it. I love how you said in the beginning in the blog interview about how you took a dance class, correct? And this mm-hmm. is yes, why this inspired you to make this film because you never made a dance film before? Yeah, I just uh, had wanted, you know, I'm an editor by trade and editors tend to spend a lot of time inside, not a lot of time with people. So I thought I'd take a dance class and just kind of get social. And then being a filmmaker, you kind of get fascinated with whatever you're doing. And over time, it was like, oh, well, you know, I'm learning dance. How would you tell a story with dance? And then how would you film that story? You know, and it kind of followed from those from there. I love that story because usually when I interview people who make these amazing dance films and you're one of the amazing dance films, it usually comes from a choreographer or somebody who grew up in dance and they mm-hmm. have this, they've, they've, they've lived it their whole lives, but you kind of come in from a kind of from a fan or kind of from a, uh, I guess, a student perspective, I guess, right? Yeah, very much a film student. I mean, I've always, I've been a film student for 25 years since I started, went to film school at USC. No, I'm like a dance and- student. Do you feel like a dance student? Cause you are like, yeah. Yeah, and I think that, and that, and that too, though. I think you, you kind of always are learning and trying to incorporate whatever you're learning in another art form into a fil- into filmmaking, yeah. and uh, and and that was fun. It was just kind of like, yeah, okay, well, this is how you tell a story. Use this move to, to progress the story this way or or that way. And really, where it came from was we had choreographed this routine to Sally's song from Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm-hmm. And the thing about Sally's song was that Sally starts the song obsessed with Jack from the movie and she ends the song obsessed with Jack from the movie. And mm-hmm. it was a really boring story. And I asked the choreographer and said, you know, can we change the story? So maybe at the end she decides, ah, I don't want to be with Jack. And so then the character had an arc in the dance that uh, the choreographer and I were doing. And then that was like, oh, now we've got a story with a change. How do we film that? Because that's cool. Now the character goes through an evolution and then it kind of grew out of that. Yeah, I love it. It's a great, people got to watch this film. It's eight minutes. And and if anybody who's been to a dance club before, we've <laughs> seen this kind of, this tone at the beginning where we're like, you know, it's that, like, it's kind of like a, like a generic kind of cool dance club, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it depends on the perspective. <laughs> bachelorette party going on, right? So this girl is yeah. like, I guess, you know, whatever bachelor party, bachelorette party, you're kind of feeling, if you're not with somebody, you're kind of feeling that emotion of loneliness or, kind of like looking to connect with somebody sees a guy across yeah. the room kind of like a kind of like a, a mustachian uh kind of a cool <laughs> guy right but you don't see yeah, I mean, I, movies yeah. anymore right a, a, a male with a mustache right unless there's a, unless, <laughs> no, you don't use mustaches anymore that, not very much i mean that's just claudio claudio's got that look and i kind of wanted to you know i think when you when i was looking and researching dance films I found a lot of correlation between what Bob Bossy was doing with his dance numbers yeah. and what Sergei Leone would do with his Westerns. Gotcha. And so I, I kind of, and since it is Argentine tango and there is kind of that Latin vibe, yeah. and Claudio is, uh, has an Argentine background. He just brought that kind of Latin mustache kind of vibe to it. And we kind of thought, you know, he did stand out in the club as somebody that this introvert who's been forced to be on this bachelorette party would be attracted to because maybe he's sure. a little outside the norm of what she sees in the dance club. And he twirls her in a dance at a more of a ballroom move. And it's like, Oh, you know, she's not into the dance club. She's more into something else. And yeah. suddenly she connects or hopes she connects with somebody who's in her scene. And I, I my, my instinct was like, he's like a matador. 
like a Spanish matador, right? Yeah, he's got a little bit of that vibe. Yeah, I mean, I always kind of thought of him as a gunslinger. Like he's out there swinging dance moves. I like it. I like it. So, so western, western, like meets Bob Fosse, I guess. So, like, yeah, very much meets Bob Fosse. How's that? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of, like I said, Sergio Leone meets Bob Fosse, and there's that last. Yeah, uh, that's, that's that, even, yeah, gotcha. And and it's that sound effect opening from Once Upon a Time in uh, uh in the West. Yeah. where it's all kind of done with the rhythm of the sound effects, but using that rhythm to get us into a dance movie was kind of my conception. So, yeah, great. So, so, okay. So you, you had this idea, you were in the in dance class, kind of had this idea. And then, because there's a lot of moving parts in this film, like you got mm-hmm. amazing choreography, you got like, you got a performance, you got like the, an arc yeah. of the girl, like she has a big, like a, an arc plus the cinematography is like out of this world. And uh, so like, there's so much going on in this film. So tell me like, how did it start? Like, did you like write a script to kind of like before the choreography and like kind of like what you wanted to do? Yeah, I mean, it was funny because originally Jen and I performed that Jen, Jennifer Berry, who's the choreographer and was my, my dance partner when I, my dance instructor, I had done this routine. So I had a video of the routine that we had done to Sally's song for Nightmare Before Christmas. And I could show that to people and say, well, this is kind of the arc, but we're going to do these little bookends. And I kind of realized, yeah, I did need to write a script, even though I had kind of been avoiding it. So I wrote a script and in the script, uh, I broke the dance into sections. So there was a flirtation, there was a um, seduction, there was a, a consummation where it gets more passionate. And then I assigned colors to each one of those sections in the script so that the cinematographer and then I have an idea of the light tones. And then I also kind of had listened to some tango music and, and outlined different uh, kind of sections of tango. Like there's a percussion section at the start and then you kind of go into a more traditional tango and then you have a very passionate kind of section in the consummation where it's the colors are red and it's more passionate. Mm-hmm. And so then I would use that breakdown to discuss with the choreographers, the cinematographer and the composer what was happening. Uh, the real trick and the, the, the biggest challenge we had was that I was using a composer that I usually work with, Darren Fung, who has done music for several of my sh- other short films and a feature I produced. And he and I are used to working with a finished movie. <laughs> There's picture, it's all done, it's all set. And now the problem is he's like, okay, we can't do anything until you give us the music. And I was like, what is this music going to? And so then I'd have to bring the dancers over to his studio and and uh, we really was a struggle because it was like, I need the dancers to do this move and I don't really speak in a musical language. Thankfully, the dancers did. So what would happen is I would tell, I would we would all be sitting there facing each other and I would tell the dancers, I need you to do this, this and this that indicates this story point. They would kind of rough it out. Thankfully, Jennifer uh, Barry does uh, play the violin and does speak a little bit of music. So she would do the movement and go, that's about eight bars. And then Darren would go, okay, eight bars. I know how long that is. And then we could make a temp track on the piano or sometimes he would just be hitting pens in the desk to give us a percussion rhythm. And that would start to build a temp temp track that we could choreograph to and then go back and forth and back and forth, elongating or or shortening little sections until we had the choreography right and then could record the music and and then we would bring the cinematographer george Foyt in to look at the um the dance moves that were going on and i was mm. shooting things with my phone so i could show him little videos of the shots i wanted and then he could build the, and he knew the color schemes from the from the script so then we could build the colors and the shots around those rehearsals 
Wow. Okay. But okay, just from the story perspective, it's really all, it's like this character, it's like who she wants to be, I guess. Right. Like, yeah, I think so there's, it's like, I, it's, it's everything's in her from her point of view, because everything's in her mind, I guess. Right. What's going on. Totally. And I kind of, you know, I kind of think of it as, it's like, you know, when they, when you go into the matrix, you have your idealized version of yourself. That's your kind of your mental picture of, of who you are. And that, that's kind of what this is in that way. It's like, it's, it's a mental projection of how she wishes the seduction would be. And it's a, the dance becomes an exploration of how she, based on what she's seen in the club and her kind of fantasy, how she sees that relationship playing out in real life. Mm. And that's why there's the stages of the flirtation and the consummation. And she's seeing all the different stages of the relationship and yeah. testing it in her imagination through dance to see how that would happen if she went over and talked to him. Yeah. That, 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 yeah, and so I think we every, we all can relate to that to that story arc in a sense. You know what I mean? Like we mm-hmm. see somebody, male, female, whoever, right? We all see, we see somebody that we're attracted to back in the day or even now. <laughs> Depends mm-hmm. how old or where you are in your life, <laughs> right? <Yep. laughs> like you have you you just you imagine something in your brain, and then of course from the musical yep. standpoint, this is what she imagines, right? So um, yep. I'm from a generation where I guess I saw Sense of a Woman. Right, the tango, mm-hmm. and totally. Right, and that's yeah, that's, me too. That, that's what reminds me of when I watch this film, I guess. Right, so yeah, totally. I mean, and then the the the, the, the tango and scent of a woman is still it's the old man's fantasy. It's him yeah, exactly kind of going out and playing out that version. So, I mean, I think tango generally in a film is a fantasy. The the touchstone for my cinematographer and I was a film called Tango from Argentina that was shot by uh, Vittorio Storaro. And uses it's about a filmmaker making a tango movie, and you see all his kind of problems with his crew and his dancers and everything play out as these dance sequences in the movie that sometimes are what's in the film and sometimes just abstractions of how the relationships go. And you get that kind of very fun, silhouetted, bright color imagery. And we yeah. were kind of going off of that. We even copied that film's aspect ratio because we like so you're like so, so speaking of that your cinematographer uh George, what's his last name? George yes. uh George Foyt. Foyt. So you've worked with him before in your other previous films, right? A hundred percent. George and I were actually roommates at USC. He was the oh, first wow. person I met at USC. He was assigned as my roommate and I he didn't know I was coming. I knocked on the door and it was just he opened the door and I was like, hi I'm Brian, I'm your roommate. And here we are 25 years later still making movies together. That's amazing. And so George is a cinematographer. That's that that's his uh, that's his expertise, I guess. That is his thing. Yeah, he got out of film school and he uh, I kind of followed an editing director track and he followed cinematography and that's what he does. And he has shot uh, two of the three features I've produced and uh, about five of the short films I've directed. And he but this is the first time you both worked on dance or has he done dance before? Uh, I it's the first time I've worked on dance. I don't know if this is I think he's done We've had other, uh, there's been a dance a little bit in other films. Like one of the films he shot that I uh, produced was called Dance of the Dead, which was Mm -hmm. zombies invade the high school prom. (laughs) And and so there was dancing in it, but not to the degree that dancing was the primary storytelling device. Mm -hmm. So, okay, so do you guys, did you you, uh, you storyboard everything? Like I know this is the choreography. (laughs) How do you guys set everything up? Uh, I, uh, I'm a terrible drawer, so I never gotten a good groove of doing storyboards and it's a point of contention sometimes, <laughs> um, uh, as an editor, I like to shot list. Um, okay. and then what I would do to support the shot list, like I said, I said earlier, I, I photographed all the rehearsals on my cell phone. And so I had videos of the shots and then I would bring George in and kind of show him that. And okay. there's a, and sometimes I would just like 
point my cell phone with the video playing of the corner of the set we were going to film in and like this is the move that goes here where the dancers are going to be and we we would do it that way so we had a visual reference and then a lot of it was also um we had two cameras so george would focus on the primary action the the shot i had in mind yeah. and then we had a b camera operator rachel dusa and she was kind of roaming and fishing and just finding all these lovely extra angles and bonus shots that we could use it was great so you, correct if I'm wrong, blood, most of it was on, done on a tripod, right? You guys kind of like did stuff, uh, you got to move the camera on the tripod or? or to there's a lot. We, we moved a lot. We, we moved the camera in a lot of different ways. We had uh, one rig at one point that George had mounted on his head. We had a okay. uh, lot of dolly. Lots. Of, we had some crane shots. We had um, just sliders, you know. Yeah, that's what okay, slide things, yeah. things. Yeah, the, and so there's a lot of different sequence between the two of them. It just it seems like you, you gave them a lot of space to like choreograph, like that you gave like it's almost like a master shot, I guess, right? That they and then you yeah. kind of like went in and out. Yeah, I mean, we started that way. We that the the film was shot over four days, and the main dance section was the last day between the two of them, and we did that full dance 19 times with two cameras so there's almost 40 takes essentially oh, wow. of that dance and each take has a slightly different style and a slightly different intent and we would do a group of okay this one it's on sticks this one is on is on the dolly sometimes the dolly's on a curve track moving around them mm. and so we just move the camera in a lot of different ways usually on theme for the section of the dance we were doing. And then, uh, and then the editor and I, Barry Wise, uh, would go in, went in and found the bits that worked. And sometimes it was like, you know, like some of the stuff with when George had the camera mounted on his head, yeah. we didn't use a lot of that because it looked more like a reality show. Like you could feel the camera operator gotcha. walking around the dancers we found. But we wanted to try a lot of different stuff and a lot of different um, techniques so we could kind of play in the edit. Okay, so you are an editor then. You got, you basically, this is your yeah. dream, right? Like, okay, so so you shot, <laughs> I'm assuming a 12 hour day, that's 19 times. That's that's a lot of dancing for, they must have been exhausted. They were, it was it was terrible too because we had shot another film. We, we shot for five days. We shot a, a one film on the first day and then the dance film on four other days. And so the, our days progressively got later and later and later and later. So by the time we got to the last day where they did the dance 19 times, we started at like 10 p.m. They were doing the dance, like take 19 at maybe four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and so yeah. uh, they are true athletes uh, that they could do that over and over again and pace themselves for that night and do that two and a half minute dance that yeah. many times. Yeah, that's that's um, what people forget sometimes that these when they're doing these dance films is that they have to do the same choreograph over and over again, and they are human, right? Totally. They're not superheroes, right? So, yeah, I mean, these guys are pretty close. Uh, Jen ran a marathon the month before we shot the film. Like, she's in very good shape. Claudio is in very good shape. Yeah. They're they're seasoned dancers. They're used to doing this. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I watched them as like, oh, you guys are under thirty. Look at you guys go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're, they're young. <laughs> they, they they can they can pull it off. So I love the color schematic that you guys pulled off. Like, it was, were you guys playing with it on set as well? Like you said, 19 takes, or was it, was that in continuity or kind of the color scene? It was in continuity. Like I said, it, it, the colors had been assigned to sections in the script yeah. and that you would start more yellow and then it would go more red as they got more passionate. And uh, so what we did was uh, George, uh, the VP, along with his gaffer, Matt Gully, uh, we rented an LED computer controlled light system and you could actually program the LED lights to do a light pattern. 
So what we did was we sat down with the sound mix. It was kind of an interesting thing. I'd never seen the gaffer talk so much to the sound mixer before because the sound mixer was playing back the music. So the gaffer was timing the programming of the LED lights to the music with the sound mixer. Yeah. And so when I would yell action, they'd both be sitting there together, kind of hitting play on their consoles at the same time. So the music and lights would shift uh, together. Unfortunately, the the lighting system we had was a little buggy and sometimes it would glitch or wig out. So there was a, a little more downtime than I think we had anticipated. But it, once when it worked, it was beautiful. That's amazing. That's such, it's such a, like I said, it's such an interesting, like it's very, you can tell it's very professional. So talk to me about Jennifer, like, because you took this class, like did she, did yeah. she think in a million years that one of her students is going to make this film and like she like I'm assuming she's very excited happy about the the final product yeah no I mean I think it was kind of one of the I mean I, I, it, it, I yeah too many thoughts at once <laughs> I think when I started uh I was very surprised that uh it went this way myself I mean it was like that we were gonna you know follow this through and I was actually kind of questioning is like do I cast her in the movie and I was like no we've kind of started this journey together as storytellers just doing the sequence together and she was she was kind of my base reference for what dance is. And so that it that relationship worked really well. And because we had a, she had been my dance instructor at that point for over two years. So we had a communication style, a way to work through things. We under, I under, she could speak dance to me at least, mm -hmm. and I could understand it that way. And it's kind of like how I speak to my composer because I'm not a musician. Yeah. So I have to kind of speak around things or speak in vibes or feelings. Sure. And I found that kind of worked very well. And then, as I was, you know, working with her, what I found was that I could communicate, uh, rather than trying to communicate a dance move, I could communicate intense, like I was trying to talk to an actor about dialogue. And so this gesture means this line reading. And, uh, but yeah, she was, uh, I think she was surprised at every step along the way. <laughs> um, but a real, uh, yeah, I had to give her and Claudio, the, uh, her uh, dance partner in the film and co-choreographer credit because we started rehearsing in October, 2019 and we didn't shoot till february 2020 so it was five months of building up the rehearsals and yeah. just them showing up twice a week to to do it over five months to get that choreography to the point yeah that's great it. that's terrific and you 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 uh well first of all like so we sent you the audience feedback video so what did you think about their reaction to your film were you happy I, I was ecstatic. I mean, that was the, the, the best thing as a filmmaker, especially when you're making a dance film and something like this where there's no dialogue and it could be considered a little abstract, is that did the message and the, did, the, did the audience connect with the characters and did the message land? Mm -hmm. And in the audience feedback video, it's obvious that it landed. Like they actually related to the character. They understood Sally's point of view. They got what we were doing with the film and they seemed to connect on every level. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I showed it to my... Uh, producer matt kyle and matt, and matt was like oh they got it that was a lot of fun thank god because <laughs> i think you know we we shot the film three weeks before the travel ban hit for covid yeah. and we edited the film during covid and then we just had been sitting on it because yeah. we wanted to wait for an audience to see it in okay. person we didn't want to post it online we didn't want it we hadn't painted for a cell phone canvas we had painted for a big screen canvas yeah. and so to have an audience who has seen a DCP print in a movie theater, give us the, uh, their feedback and understanding. And, and that's, that's what we were, that's what we did this for. So that's, that's the best. That's amazing. So that, so the, yeah, I, I just, so the Jennifer, I just think about Jennifer. It's like, it's such an amazing story, mm -hmm. the way you described like how 
this whole film came about and like and she's so great in the film like yeah she, she's like, awesome. she's she's actually a good act like she's a good actor and it's like one of those like classic like like makeover <laughs> films but it's done <laughs> you know what I mean? like well like it's like oh she's wearing glasses and you know what i mean but yeah inside she's but you know that too right but it's like and then then she just rips off her glasses and then like gets all sexy and then like oh she's really attractive if she wants to be blah blah, blah right yeah well i mean i, I probably the, the 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 version of gen you see in the fantasy is probably closer to her real personality sure, yeah, than the nerd yeah, yeah. Uh, and and she was the one who actually requested the glasses and i was like that seems kind of cliche yeah and then as we were doing it i was and putting the working with the costume designer alina and uh designing the costumes like oh we kind of need the i think we you're right we do need the glasses and then the fun thing was incorporating the glasses into the sound montage so they're mm -hmm. part of the sound effects that get us into the the dance sequence um and so that was it was it was but it was jen's suggestion that got us there that she kind of wanted to cover up and hide a little bit <laughs> with the glasses i don't want to get too deep with it but maybe maybe uh, i can but just that like it's almost like you want her to like stop stop imagining things it's like it's almost like a human trait now right because we live in this virtual right. world it's like just go up to the guy or like just like <laughs> your fantasy might come true if you but if you sit in the, in the on the sidelines then then the, you know what i mean like then nothing happens right yeah that's what yeah i, I mean it, <laughs> <laughs> i mean uh, you know I, I i try to never to uh to say what i meant or intended i let people sure. take their own meaning that way um that's interesting <laughs> So you're like you said before. You said you're an actor by tr by trade. You do you work as I'm, I'm an sorry, sorry an editor by trade. You work in the yeah. industry as an editor. I do, I do. I, I'm an editor for NBC Universal. I work on a lot of uh, reality shows, uh, daily shows. I've been working on Access Hollywood a lot lately. Um, it's remote, so actually, this is my office. This is where That's I awesome. edit from. Uh, just dial into NBC Universal, which is odd. It's only about a mile and a half away. It's just down the street. I'm in Studio City. Uh, <laughs> you edited a lot of the, the the fashion police TV series. You edited that TV series, right? Yeah, I did. Uh, I did edit, and actually, fashion police the, the the fashion police knowledge played well when I was talking with uh, the the costume designer of sure, dresses of and how to move and things like that. It, it's not something. I mean, I usually my day job and my uh, my filmmaking don't really cross over, but uh, thankfully in this case, they actually did kind of seep into each other. And then like you did like a lot of these shows, like you said, Live at the Red Carpet, that you were credited for doing a lot of those like Academy Awards and Grammys and things like that. That must be oh, yeah. fun, right? It, it, it is. I mean, I've, I, I think I've done it. I'm a, it's, it's one of those horrible things. It's like the first time you do it, it's great. And then you, you do it for 10 years. And then it's like, okay, we're doing that again. <laughs> well, um, it's yeah, a paycheck, I, I guess, right? A hundred percent. I mean, it, you know, I, I, honestly, I am... Uh, insanely lucky because i've had that steady work with nbc universal which is e and access hollywood and when the pandemic hit i had a steady job that i could remote into and that allowed me to pay the bills and have health insurance and have a stable uh base to work from while we were doing post-production in cabaseo and the other film that we had shot so um no i'm i'm insanely lucky and editing has been uh, the gift that keeps on giving i always tell anybody who's starting out in the industry or graduating film school is learn the technical trade, whether it's editing like I did or yeah. George, our DP, who learned camera operating. Um, at the very least, even if you're not doing exactly what you want to do that day, you're going to have a paycheck because you know how to operate the machine. And now most of the people in this industry don't know how to operate one of the machines. Isn't that amazing <laughs> that they don't, right? 
Yeah, well, I think, you know, everybody, a lot of people come here and there's a lot of dreams and there's a lot of storytelling and, um, yeah. but it is a technical art form. And, and, and the hardest thing is, is, uh, you know, we all approach it differently. There's, a, there's art, there's technical mm-hmm. side, there's the business side. And you have to have a, an understanding of all three to really make things work. And um, at least if you have a, uh, a technical understanding, the people who not only know the art and the business will, uh, will uh, depend on you yeah. because they need those people who can do it and do it on, do it on command and get it done on time. And that's a, that's a huge advantage. That's yeah. That's such an interesting take. The way you said the three kind of uh, aspects of, uh, of 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 filmmaking and in the film industry in general. And you kind of mm-hmm. like yeah. In, I remember like back in the day when I started producing films, it was like that technical side was my weakness, and I would get taken right. advantage of a little bit because they can see people can sense what you don't know, right? And then I yeah. I had to become. I realized I had to become like a, not a master, but I had to know everything. And then yeah. so if something broke down, I was able to do it. If that makes any sense. And it made me a no, better, totally. made, made you made me better at what I did because it actually makes you more creative too because you know the tools right better right so, you know what you can do with them and I think yeah. I always equate it to being the a producer and a director is the conductor of the orchestra you may be not the best player in that orchestra but you have to know how every one of those you instruments to works to make sure yeah. you can get it out yeah hundred I one hundred percent agree with that I learned the hard way with that so I want to ask you about the, this because I like the title of the film. Is that your? I know you must. It must be on the festival circuit now too. Is Flat Earther? So you did that oh, yeah. another show you did? It's about because I think yeah. this, this has happened a lot where you have a great first date, right? And then uh, I'm just reading your synopsis. I haven't seen the movie. We have a great sure. first date, and then the second date, it's like then the person's like personality comes in, and then I'm assuming one person's <laughs> a fat, flat earther, and that's the conflict of your film, right? Uh, no, neither one of them is a flat earther, but it's a concept for people who uh, follow conspiracy theories. Gotcha. And and we all, and to a degree, we all follow conspiracy theories. We all have a little something levels, like JFK. Though, yeah. Right. yeah, there's and there's levels, and they're kind of uh, th- during the date they're testing where they're at at this level on the basis. Are you a flat earther? Oh God, no, that's horrible. And that's kind of where they start. Uh, the interesting thing about Flat Earther was that's the film we shot on the first day of our production block. Um, that's that was so, my next question. Yeah. Yeah, so Flat Earther was uh, based on a stage play by another friend I went to film school with, Mario Rivas. It was a one-act stage play that he did, and I just liked it so much. I was like, I wanted to film it. And I worked with uh, the two actors, uh, Joe Holt and Amy Sloan, and the producer, Matt Kyle, and we, we improvised and kind of turned the script into our point of view on those topics. And then we filmed it as one nine-minute take. Oh, so it's wow. a... It's a nine minute oneer, completely dialogue based. And that was our first day of production at this location in Pomona, California, where we had this bar Fuego that we could rent for five days straight because they were only open for dancing on Sunday, on Fridays and Saturdays. So gotcha. then we had five days where we could move in and not move our gear, which you might as well shoot you know, films while you're doing it, I guess, right? That was my thought was yeah. let's, you know, I kind of, I kind of gave it to our uh, co-producer uh, Regis who uh, found a location for us of like, yeah, get us, get us a spot where we don't have to move. We get, if we're going to go through the trouble of renting the gear, renting the location, mm-hmm. I got two movies we can do and we can just redress the set constantly. So we did uh, flat earther on the first day as one take, you know, no edits, just the dialogue and then we flipped it for the next four days and did the dance film which was no dialogue tons of edits and the completely opposite style so we could walk away with two different films and that was kind of the appeal for matt kyle who was my producer who had somebody i worked with at the g4 network on shows like x play and attack of the show and he wanted to get into filmmaking i was like aha i have just the 
the thing for you. We can do two different films in two different styles at the same time. And you're going to get the experience of going through the process with two different kinds of production and do it in fi a five day period. So when you walk out, you kind of have a base of how the narrative filmmaking works. And you did, you did it right before COVID too. So if it was one month later, you probably wouldn't be able to do it. We probably never would. The first two days on Flat Earther, we had 30 extras. The first day because of the dance club and Cabaseo, we had 30 extras. It was a 30 person crew both days. Um, I am. I, we had people driving out from Vegas. I had a friend flying from Madison, Wisconsin to be an extra. Um, I, I am shocked we did not turn into a super spreader event because COVID, you know, we now know was here during that yeah. time. <laughs> um, and yeah, no, I, I don't think to this day as an independent production uh, with 90 people going through that set on the first two days that we could actually have pulled it off. No, uh, it would have taken you another couple of years, probably or 19 months at least, I guess, to do it. Yeah. I, Honestly, I don't think these films would have happened. I think we would have lost, we, you know, we, we would have moved on to other things during the pandemic yeah. and they never would have happened. So I am, uh, it was, we were insanely lucky and uh, both lucky that we pulled off the film and lucky that nobody actually got COVID on our side. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. I love, I love that. Yeah. I think it's a great, I, that's what my next question. Cause I was reading the synopsis and um, you were mentioning the first film that you did a film before. I'm like, okay, this would be in this location. And then you answered yeah. the question right there. Very smart. That's a very smart, uh, smart play. And I hope that is that film doing well, as well as this film on the festival circuit. Uh, we it was, we had a it, oddly enough, you would, wouldn't think it, but it took longer to do the post-production on Flat Earther because it was one take okay. and we had a green screen television set on the background because the TV plays TV in the bar plays a, uh, a part. And so there was a lot more, um, we didn't do anything to, we, we only used the one take, but we had a lot of cleanup of stabilization, the image, the, you know, getting rid of uh, lights that we had in the shop because you have to light 360 degrees and sometimes the light just has to be in the shot mm. when you're doing a wonder. And then we had to put this TV set in the background. And when you have a nine minute take with a TV set that's green screen and it's all steady cam, that TV set is yeah. constantly moving. So it took a long time to get the VFX right. So we just finished it. It had its world premiere two weeks ago at the Minneapolis St. Paul Film Festival. I'm from Minneapolis. So that was a yeah. uh, fun hometown screening. And we are seeing what happens next. But we really didn't, we were holding it back from other film festivals because it wasn't finished. Gotcha. So we're just starting our film festival run now. Uh, I, I, unfortunately, I think the film has re, re, retained being very relevant. <laughs> Yeah. We talk a lot about a things, a lot of things that are going on in the world in terms More of conspiracy so. theories yeah. and gun violence. And uh, I, I had a festival director email me two days ago. I was like, oh, my God, it's so relevant. And I'm like, it's based on a stage play from five years ago. I wish it wasn't. But we still are living with these issues. <laughs> yeah, no, it's funny because I just I just interviewed somebody who uh, who made a film two years ago about about this fantasy future of road versus Wade being uh, overturned and then having to deal oh. with it and she just made this fantasy film right and then yeah and then now it's the most relevant Here film we... short film on the festival circuit right so that's why 100 your film which is all about it's all about timing right so basically yeah unfortunate timing i guess but you're if whatever i'm assuming <laughs> you, you uh, anyway so so basically by the so your film just kind of jumped out for me because it was like oh this is a perfect this is a perfect title for a short film. So I was just curious about it. So I hope it does serve yeah. you well. Thank you very much. No, we're very happy with it. I, I, I was ecstatic when my friend Mario staged it as a one act. And I was like, dude, you got to film this. And he, he sat on it for two years and didn't want to do it himself. So like, can I have it? I want to do it. And I'm, so I'm really glad that we got it out there. <laughs> well, thanks for the chat. I appreciate it. It's a great, like I said, this is a great dance film. It's like one of my favorites. 
of the year, just favorite favorite films in general of the year. It's uh, it's just oh, really, so much. Well, really well done. And it's like, and like I said, uh, Jennifer, if she wants to be an actress, uh, tell her that she can be an actress. So because she's got definitely got screen appeal. So maybe that's her absolutely. Favorite. No, she definitely had it. And uh, she and I are working on a, actually a, a documentary project right now uh, about the homeless. So we're always trying different genres and different methods of filmmaking. Okay. Cool, man. All right, man. Have a good day. You too. Thanks very much. One, two, three, four, five.